Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. How you doing, Scott? How's it going? This you has know, been quite Kara, a time. I was, think, I was thinking about it. I'm learning. I You're, find that, oh, um, yeah. Professor find, learns. How nice. Yeah. I, I'm trying to not immediately pick a position and dig in and, and just fight, fight, fight. I've... Uh, uh, so I will start off with a couple of things that I've been illuminated to or, or how my thinking has changed. I thought a lot about what was going on was largely driven by income inequality. We, mm-hmm. we had a piece, I love military history. Um, essentially, at the end of World War II, the Allies dropped two inches of incendiaries, basically mm-hmm. powder across yeah, Dresden. about that. And then we dropped these flammables, these sparks, and we set off a firestorm in Dresden, the firebombing of Dresden, and it killed more people than uh, the nuclear detonations over Japan. And we Mm -hmm. don't talk about it because it's not as cool as the detonation of a nuclear bomb involving splitting the atom. The detonation of a nuclear bomb is never cool, but move on. I'm going to just... Let me make my point. uh, Actually, you know what? I think in the eyes of America, I think that set off this race towards the idolatry of technology. I think we were fascinated by that. I think it was the ultimate. America has the sack and the brain to detonate the most sophisticated technology in the world. And actually, I I think it set off this race towards in this very unhealthy idolatry of technology. But anyways, the technology around just laying the ground with two inches of of gunpowder effectively and then lighting it on fire. And most of the people didn't die in the fires. They they, uh, died of asphyxiation because the fire soaked up all the oxygen and people Mm -hmm. were in their homes and just were found asphyxiated. But anyways... I was thinking, okay, the powder really that, that, that is the underlying and flam- flammable here is, uh, was income inequality. And what I have discovered is mm-hmm. that it, it, income inequality is absolutely a big part of it. It fuels the frustration, but it's really more about um, people of color feeling like, okay, we have just had it. And then I had Peter Henry on my mm-hmm. uh, pod yesterday, who's the former dean of NYU Stern, youngest dean in the history of top 20 business school, you know, college athlete, Rhodes Scholar, mm-hmm. MIT, PhD, just like crazy, kind of unbelievable, impressive. And this tall, handsome black man, and he was saying that essentially, it's just different for me. He said, the place I feel most insecure is if I'm in an uncontrolled environment and run across a police officer. Huh. And for him to express story. that kind of fear, and you yeah. could just hear it in his voice. And this is a guy who... If if Hillary had won, there was a shot he was going to be somewhere within, you know, one yeah. degree removed of the cabinet. And for him to say that, it just kind of struck me that I really don't get it. I really don't And you, understand let me ask you a question. I, I'm glad there. you do get it, but it shouldn't just be for a guy who has all sorts of degrees. But what, had you, how, how, point. how had point you I'm missed making, it? I'm no just curious. Safe. Really? Well, no one is safe, but some people are more safe than others. But I mean, I think I think the disagreement we had is I think racism is at the heart of almost every uh, of these issues you are also talking about, um, because it tends to like like when we talked about, um, um, you know, let's get to a tech thing is these these gig workers. It's, well, hold it, on. I'm not okay, I'm not done ahead. with my white guilt. All right. Hold okay. on. All right. Almost. So, and then the wrap up thing, your white guilt. And, and then stuff. also um, uh, he was talking or he was he was talking about effectively that. You have this situation. And I said, look, I think systemic racism has gotten better in America. And he said, the problem, Scott, is that, and, 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 is that our DNA 
is about escaping one form of oppression such that we could come to America and enslave another people and commit genocide. And effectively what this is, is the majority who are whites are about to come in the minority in 2040 and just don't want that to happen. And this is sort of their last stand. And I, th I had never thought of it that way. And he's actually spending time in Germany and he gave me the impression that he and his four black sons just feel more comfortable in Germany than the US. And I've always kind of withdrawn to this place of comfort that yeah, we're bad, but we're less bad than the rest of the world. Yeah. And his viewpoint is no, actually we may be worse than the re much of the world because our DNA sort of began with this kind of looting of Africa of their human capital. And I never really thought about it that way. I'd always had this sort of, you know, like I said, cold comfort or this always withdrew to this place of safety of, yeah, but we're, we're more diverse. We, you know, I, I started making excuses for America. And he said, this is in our DNA. This is in our DNA. I I'm sorry, I'm go ahead. I'm going to interrupt you now because yep. I want you to listen more, but not to me. But it's glad, I'm glad that you're listening. I'm a very I'm good glad. listener. I'm glad that you're listening and you should listen more. I think it's, it's actually about seeing with your eyes. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people- uh, I should see more? Well, it's, there's an expression in, in journalism where you say, uh, uh, believe what you see, don't see what you believe. believe and so- Actions speak louder than words. Is that Believe your New York Times see. liberal way of saying No, that? no, it's not lib. Oh God, you're like now you're tossing out ridiculous things. There's please. <laughs> well, you made uh, me feel shame. You made me feel insecure. Oh well, too bad. You should be. You should be. A little shaking of Scott is an important thing. But let's just be clear who this story is about. Not you or I, um, but you or I listening for sure. Um, anyway, we're gonna we're that was heavy, Scott. Thanks for bringing that in. I was gonna ask to talk about Snapchat no longer I'm promoting sorry. Donald we'll Trump's account. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's interesting because. Snow snapped. We're going to get into. Why don't we just get into the big story and okay. and let's get in the big story. Facebook doubles down on the policy to keep Trump's uh, racist and inflammatory remarks posted on the platform in a call with employees who protested Facebook's lack of response to Trump. Mark Zuckerberg said his decision was tough, but it was pretty thorough. He said he did research, but he did not reveal what that research was. Earlier this week, some Facebook employees participated in a virtual walkout. They did not come to work and posted messages in solidarity of protesters asking Zuckerberg to take action on Trump's Consistent posts that encourage violence and racism on the platform. It was reported that Zuckerberg had a call, and then he actually said he had a call with the president last week after he decided the post would not be monitored. And according to the New York Times, one black employee was consulted in this decision. That employee's the company's political uh, political speech policy wasn't working and needed to be changed. Uh, I wrote a, a pretty tough column today about that topic, um, and a calling I had called uh, Mark the Susan Collins of the internet. Um, and then had noted that he was also the world's most expensive customer service rep by talking to Donald Trump about uh, explaining the policies of Facebook to him. Um, so, uh, and, and it was it was a pretty tough article about the difference between uh, free speech and amplifying speech mm -hmm. like this. And of course, it, it, the same thing today happened at the New York Times with a Tom Cotton uh, editorial uh, uh, without taking into account uh, that he had been tweeting that uh protesters should be uh, given no quarter or, or certain people should be shot with extrajudicial killings. Uh, so it's complicated, Scott. I don't think it's that complicated, but what do you, what do you think about this? I have certainly have a point of view uh, that Mark Zuckerberg is not doing his job, um, but, uh, but others disagree with me. So what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think you almost got it right. I don't think he's the world's most expensive customer service agent. He's, he's, a, he's arguably I would, the least expensive whore in the world. And that is oh, anyone dear. with a credit card. Okay. <laughs> who will spend two or three dollars? Mark Zuckerberg will do something. Um, he will put all. Uh, you know, he does it. I think sex work should be legal. 
but he does these things. He will do anything as long as there's a nickel at the end of it. So, well, you think it's money? I mean, it's really interesting oh, how much how every much day, every action, every action, every decision he has ever made points to one place. How do I get the stock up? And yeah, that's why investors love him. Yeah, yeah. I, just uh, every decision, every policy, every individual, every every individual flying to Greece to give away two million dollars and prostitute her engagement party for People Magazine all points to one thing: How do we cover up our activities such that no one gets in the way of the most profitable rage machine ever invented? Right. Every single decision. All right, but let's get. Does it have an impact? Does it? Does it? I, I don't agree with you on this. I think there's a lot more going on there. He's been struggling with this. I finally recalled a conversation. He struggle. He struggled I, well, to get away with well, it. He's struggling well, to get it's away interesting. with it. There was a a post by a, a lot of the early Facebook people who I knew very well saying this is Mark is ridiculous. It was then attacked by another Facebook executive. Uh, who was not one of my favorite Facebook executives, who was then attacked by Chamath Palihapitiya, who was another Facebook executive. Mm-hmm. What, what I came away with, which is what Casey Newton said to me, Facebook doesn't like other people policing Facebook. You know what I mean? They don't. It was really interesting because face, it was all ex-Facebookers fighting ex-Facebookers about Facebook. It was really, it's been really fascinating. And um, I recalled a conversation I had with this guy who posted this. It was the worst post ever, I think, that I've seen from a Facebook person where he said, the people that are complaining just couldn't hack it, couldn't scale, probably got pushed out. And that's where he started his discussion, which is like, that's a typical slag for, so you can't scale. So you, that's why you don't have, you don't get to have a say. Um, and it was astonishing. That's and Chamath, the ultimate insight. I know, it is, it is. You don't so, scale. <laughs> you don't scale. So Chamath Palihapitiya was oh like, this is dumb even for you. Reid Hoffman's podcast, who, by the way, we, we <laughs> dropped... We dropped that bitch podcast like second period uh, French in a Webby. Listen to me. No, Masters it's a, of scale. It's, oh, it's the Webby. Masters Webbies. of scale. You know what? It's a pretty good podcast. Listen to me. I'm not uh, going to insult Reed Hoffman right now. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, um, the fact of the matter is, it was really interesting that there's this sort of internal war going on at Facebook, which you never saw before. They were always sort of lockstep. Is it even really the, a war? It's like a it border is, skirmish. Yeah, the, I guess. I, let me Kombucha just say, coffee cafe there. Listen is to it me. really a war? I'm wondering if it will have impact. On this company, when does I mean, it have? You know, Cheryl and Carolyn Everson are strangely quiet on quiet. this. Quiet, they're silent. They're silent. Well, well, you know, I'm we're going to let Mark take this her. one. Yeah, yeah, they're like over. We're over here. They should yeah. speak out. Both of those people do. Um, should should be doing that. It's a really interesting. It's an interesting conundrum. The same thing happened over the times of this Tom Cotton piece. A lot of people didn't feel like he could speak out. I did. Jamel Bowie did. Charlie Wurzel did. Uh, supporting some of the uh, African American uh, staff at the at the New York Times who started a, um, a thing saying this is dangerous. What he, you're posting a, a very dangerous point of view. A person who's called for shooting of protesters. Um, in any case, they it's it's an interesting thing going on these 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 um, these fights going on. And and one of the things that I found interesting was that it, it, it sort of degenerates into a free speech and these companies argument when it's really about what do we amplify. I think Jay Rosen said that. I thought it was pretty smart by Jay. Um, but it's interesting. What will they do next? Like hope it'll go away. I assume that's and then just well, keep usually the juggernaut that. History going. shows it most of the time. Yeah. And I, I, let, I let, let's be honest. This has, this has nothing to do with First Amendment. It's about second Gulfstream, specifically mm-hmm. all of their pursuit of their <laughs> second Gulfstream. This isn't a First Amendment issue. It's a second Gulfstream issue. And that is they, they throw out First Amendment as if any of them go- give a good goddamn about the First Amendment, as if any of them understand it. Private companies aren't subject to the First Amendment. It's just that I'm sick of it. We shouldn't even be talking about I know, First Amendment. I know. Mark has, drags it in. That's a distraction. That's a distraction. The key is 
is your is your profit machine does the externality wreak so much havoc on the commonwealth that it requires regulation mm -hmm. and and for about 10 years we have seen that the externality of a business model that is fueled on rage is it creates enormous externality around teen depression around perversion of our democracy around not putting in place the requisite safeguards to ensure bad actors don't weaponize your platform and now around pouring fuel on the flames of incredible like in, incredible civil unrest in our society yeah. and yet they're going to distract us they're going to wait they're going to delay and we're likely not going to do anything yeah, until either there's someone else in the white house or the DOJ or the FTC get the funding they deserve or or and I still don't think this is going to happen it's just so ridiculous what we're doing with Facebook right now Mm -hmm. is where does everyone communicate their outrage at Facebook? On Instagram. It's mm -hmm. as if we were to say we're so angry at Donald Trump that we're going to vote for him such that he has to listen to us for four more years. Yeah. Until yeah. until advertisers, until customers or consumers. And they won't. And they won't. You're right. They, they won't. won't. No, they, it's, it is. the. I said in the column that, that Mark has been playing the long game long enough to know he yeah, never pays for anything. He, he's a He never pays man. for anything. And advertisers will continue to go where the only – it's the only casino – and so it's really 100%. hard to be a marketer and not be present 100%. on one of his platforms. It's a really and I, and it'll be interesting to see if the Biden if Biden wins if they have the set to do it um, because I think Mark will play the long game with them and sidle up you know send it's all about instead Elizabeth of Joel Warren. Kaplan. She's the only one yeah. with the brains and the balls to go after big she, tech right now. She is. And I I was on a book party with her. She was speaking at uh, for Simone Sanders who works for Joe Biden last night. It was a virtual book party, um, and she was just so impressive. Again, I was sort of. She really was. I was. I'd forgotten. Um, I hadn't seen her publicly, uh, and it was really interesting. And I, I, she jumped off before I could ask her a question about tech. But um, it, I do agree with you. I think she, she is probably the, the single person who would change this in in a significant. Way. I do think there's a business lesson in here, a brand strategy lesson in here, mm -hmm. and I, I, I was, I try, I, I try to taxonomize business concepts in the news because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to be learned here, and I realize mm -hmm. it's maybe cheapening what's going on, but. In terms of big tech, one of the one of the things I try and encourage my kids to do is to understand the concept of laddering, and that is saying, okay, how do you deposition the competition by saying, we're this, they're this, we're this, we're they're this, and what what feature could you or what action could you undertake or communicate that effectively is not as much about enhancing your own image as it is about really going after the competition? The ultimate laddering or depositioning took place two years ago or eighteen months ago when, in an interview with you on MSNBC, Tim Cook. When it said privacy is a is a uh, what was the term he used? Privacy is a a a profound right. Or I, I, he basically wasn't talking about Apple's privacy. He was talking about he was talking about Facebook and Google. He was depositioning them. And I think Snap's move and uh, what Twitter is contemplating doing with Snap deciding no, no longer to give free mm -hmm. organic promotion on their Discovery Channel yeah. to Trump. I think they're basically saying, okay, this isn't as much about Snap as it is going after going after Facebook. And basically, everyone now is going to see a profit incentive, and it will create tremendous progress. Yeah. And I think Twitter's going to get Facebook. there yeah. to say, okay, we need to be the anti-Facebook. And yeah. Facebook has a tough People time because they're still trying to appeal to everybody. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're right. I think it was the right move by Snapchat. It, 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 it's the right business move by Snapchat. 100%. It's the right. And it is actually also keeping in line with Evan Spiegel, who has largely created a service that is more pleasant to use and, and doesn't have the same uh, problems because of the architecture of it. It's an interesting. It's but he, an interesting. But here's time. the problem coming out it's of this. Too small. Coming out of this. That's that's exactly right. Coming out of this pandemic, there's going to be the mother of all consolidation, and everyone from Twitter to Snap to Pinterest, they're in trouble, because what typically happens coming out of these kind of economic shocks 
is everyone, all the advertisers, A, advertising takes a dramatic step down. I think there's right. so many things going on that show that yeah, advertising is the, the era of brand. The sun has passed midday. You're going to see big advertisers not come back to broadcast advertising. And, and not only that, they're going to decide playtime is over. And they're going to only go with the online guys that scale. And that's Google and Facebook. And their experiments with Pinterest, Twitter, Snap. They're not going to have the V-shaped recovery snapback that Facebook and Google will have. They have 120th to 140th of the market cap. So they're in a position, quite frankly, to start taking you know bigger cuts at the ball because they have to. They have got to figure out something. They've either got to merge with each other or they have to start carving out new niches. They have to yeah. go on offense because they are not going to recover the same way these other guys are. And if you look at their market caps as a multiple of revenues, as a multiple of earnings, they look expensive relative to Google and Facebook. And there was they always do. this notion that they would grow into these valuations, that they were the little guys. And right, they were the little guys. They were the little engines that could. And now they're beginning to look like just the little engines. And yeah. they're going to, if they're not careful, their stocks are going to collapse to just a multiple of EBITDA. So they have to start that, taking some risks. Yeah, that's been your theme with the media companies too. I actually harangued Jim Bankoff of Oxmead to ask him what he was up to because you had talked about that, you know, the idea of the consolidation of these smaller players uh, compared to the big ones. Um, and you're right. I think Google and Facebook have it um, wrapped up with themselves. But that doesn't mean – that doesn't mean things can't change, Scott. If they can wake up Scott Galloway, they can. this can happen. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I feel break. shamed. I feel embarrassed. You should feel embarrassed. Anyway. I should feel right, embarrassed. Scott, That's yeah, just yeah. common sense. That's, <laughs> That's just common, common sense. sense. Um, uh, but what's really when, important – how like when I look in the mirror with my shirt off, I'm like, really? Really? No, I said okay. that? I look okay. that way? Here's I what look you're that do. way. You're going to get woke and then you're going to keep talking about getting woke. Anyway. Let's go to the, take wait, me wait, to the woke no, spa. No, no, please Let's don't. go to the woke please, spa. Hush, hush, hush should be your new theme. Hush, Scott. Hush. All right. Let's go. That's my, that's my nice way of saying shut up. Anyway, Scott, let's go to a quick break and come back to talk about that. a new lawsuit against Google and also a listener mail. All right, welcome back in the break. Scott and I had a little to do. I call them a big fucking baby. <laughs> Joking uh, about how ridiculously lame I am. Yes, but it's true. It's funny because it's true. It's true. I know it's, it's true. All right, we're not going to talk about you anymore. All right. A new it's lawsuit against Google has been filed. The plaintiffs are alleging the company collects user information that violates federal wiretap laws. Mm -hmm. Potential class action suit was filed in the district court for the northern for Northern California. It alleges that Google tracked and collected consumer uh, browsing history, even if. Users took steps to maintain their privacy. Google is disputing the claims in a response a Google spokesman said. As we clearly say, each time you open a new incognito tab, websites might be able to collect information about your browsing activity during your session. I don't know what the point of incognito is if it's not incognito, but um, and that's another question. But I do think this brings into, um, you know, DOJ is working on an antitrust suit. We'll see how where that goes. But it does bring a question that the real game here with these companies as they sort of fiddle around with the First Amendment, which I think is the noisy part of the discussion, is, and I did say this to a lot of people, I said the real story is privacy and data protection. And that's where they're, it doesn't matter what, the reason they're so strong to be able to make pronouncements on First Amendment is because they have all the data and they have all the power there. And so I think the real legislation that will get them, you know, right where it hurts, I think I know where that is uh, on someone like you, Scott, is uh, is is in in this area. So it's it's an interesting that the focus is not on uh, regulating this instead of it's all, all on Section 230. It's all on liability and stuff like that. To me, this is the heart of their, it's, it's the spot in Star Wars where they have to hit that tiny little hole and that will blow them apart. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm beginning, I'm beginning to think that, um, that the, 
the real arbiter of all of this, and it impacts CNN, uh, Fox, all the way down to Facebook and Google aren't doing anything that CNN and Fox aren't doing. They're just doing it much, much better. And that is, you know, social media and media is nicotine in that it's addic addictive and it's not great for you, but the cancer, the tobacco, is the ad model. I just think that if the best legislation right now or the most elegant legislation would be to start taxing revenues on advertising. And I don't know if you could legally mm -hmm. do that, but the reason you why about this. the reason why CNN and Fox divide us is because they're just going to show over and over and over that police car driving accelerating into a crowd and they have no or Fox will show you something else. Yeah, like or Antifa, or whatever, these ridiculous claims that it's Antifa at these protests. Yeah causing trouble and they won't show you the, the 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 peaceful protests of hundreds of thousands of young men and women peacefully protesting walking across the manhattan bridge that just doesn't sell more chobani and so yeah. and then you go to facebook and google at the end of the day it's just it's it's the ad model and so i wonder yeah. i wonder if the, and I, I wonder if elizabeth warren i'd love to speak to someone in her office i wonder if there's a way Sort of remember back when Bill Gates said the way to get rid of spam would be just to charge everyone one penny for every mm -hmm. email they sent out, and that way all the spammers would have to go away. Yeah. And and I think is there an elegant solution here to figure out a tax on communications or advertising, such that this massive these 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 trolls, these bots, these uh, organizations that use thousands of bots to get across a message, usually a message that is really uncomfortable or really unpleasant or just wrong, begin, in other words, price advertising to its externality, the same oh, way we try to price. But it's interesting. You know, I, I agree. That's an interesting idea. I do think the idea of what they collect and the inability to collect is really at the heart of it because yeah. they, no matter what you do, the, the ability for them to collect and, and confuse you and confuse legislators and everything else is really how it works for them. They get, this is how they get away with it because you don't understand it. It's confusing. They flood the zone with lobbyists. Um, and so it's, it, it just, it creates a situation where I don't think it's about the money with Mark Zuckerberg. I think you are wrong in that. Mm -hmm. I think I think that it's not necessarily, but why not that why not anyway hit all these companies where it hurts, which is in the money, right? This is mm -hmm. this is where they this is how you restrict them, which is to to give um to give them less ability to monetize people. And it's sort of like they're I, I think of it more, I was thinking the other day you're saying cigarettes, but I actually think it's more like um food. They are allowed to flood the zone with shitty food and then we eat it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not, they're not, they're not regulated. It could be tainted. It could be bad for you. It could be full of sugar, whatever the, and tainted is a lot of it, like makes you sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody's watching that. Like, no, and that's that, and we like it and it's hard to get away from. It's a little bit different than cigarettes, which I think are adjacent, I guess. And so I think getting them not to be able to do that that get 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 them in their money making machine mm -hmm. is where we will we will be able to have the impact and then all this other stuff goes away we don't have an argument about mm -hmm. their their ridiculous nonsensical arguments about the first amendment we don't have any of this if they clean up the platform take away their money i don't know food tobacco you say adoption yeah. i say abortion Let's yeah call the whole thing off. <laughs> oh god scott really <laughs> in any case i think it'll be interesting to see as these things discover but it does it's going to take it's not going to be these lawsuits it's going to be legislators actually doing substantive data protection and privacy protection with teeth. I just, I think that is at the heart of it. And 
that's what they fear most. But I feel hopeful around, uh, or more hopeful than I felt in a while. I feel like the worm has turned against the president and Republicans. And when you have Republicans, you know, the, 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 the way you defeat an enemy is you atomize it. And they've done a much mm-hmm. better job, they being Republicans and Russians and the Chinese have done a much better job of atomizing the Democratic Party in the U.S., uh, to you know, make more progress against us or gain ground. And the Republican Party is held pretty firm. And when you have Republicans, including the Secretary of Defense, it, it just feels like they're being atomized. I feel as if people now believe, all of a sudden they're finding their backbone, just as Republicans tend to find their backbone about the time they announce they're no longer mm-hmm. uh, going to pursue re-election. You're seeing a lot of people find their backbone against Trump because I think people are starting to believe, chances are, that it, in uh, six months he's gone. Yeah, and they want to be as they want to be seen as having gone on the record. Well, the defense secretary, who yeah. was a Quisling, then yeah. said no, but then became a Quisling again. He seems to be. Yeah, but that that's something, right? That is right. something. Uh, well, it's, it's an indication, I guess. Yeah, it's a but signal, still, and I, you know, he should quit. That's not, he should quit. That's more than most most of them most have done. Anyways, I think that it, it feels as if the tide has turned. And that the president has is definitely on the defensive now and holding up Bibles upside down and, you know, just uh, it just we'll it, it, the other thing that was the the frightening thing this week and I apologize I'm jumping all over the place is I've always compared I used to compare Donald Trump to Hitler I found the demonization of immigrants which James Mattis did but go ahead the demonization of immigrants the call to arms around our gr- restoring our greatness, a refusal to condemn violence against one's perceived enemies. I, I just, a lot of the themes, uh, I think Donald Trump, we don't want to give him his credit. I think he's a fantastic orator and no one can rally a crowd like him. And I think that he shared that confidence with, with Adolf Hitler. And my dad used to get very upset whenever I compared Trump to Hitler. And he said, look, you got to keep in mind, you got to remember Hitler had his own police force. And and now it appears that Donald Trump has his own police force, that he has these unmarked, unregulated militias. And that that takes us to a very, again, a very dark part in history. And I've always thought that American exceptionalism, that we've always had this strange, unearned, unearned cold comfort that somehow we're better than that. And I'm guilty of some of that, but I think we saw some of that come do in a very ugly way around the virus. There was a general mm-hmm. feeling, and I think I was guilty of it, that for some reason, our exceptionalism, our innovation yeah. was going to yeah. protect or turn away the virus at the borders for some reason. And that was just so arrogant and stupid. And I also believe that the notion that, oh, that, what happened in Europe in the middle of the 20th century couldn't happen here. I don't I don't believe that. I think it could happen here. We put Japanese people behind barbed wire yes, when our parents were still alive. We have a, we have a alive. memory. This country has a memory drop, the biggest memory 100%. drop of any group of people. And I've now we seen. have militias, unregulated militias, taking orders from a guy who demonizes immigrants. Uh, so I just... I, I think we have to be... I think there's a lot of lessons, and I'm back to comparing... The orange man to Hitler again. And I don't care how offensive it it is. And I I think there's a lot of parallels here that are very, very dangerous. And if I will allow it. I will allow it since You're James Mattis did it. I will allow it. Oh my James God. Mattis did I interviewed I General Mattis or in front of the NASDAQ. That yeah. guy is such an impressive man. Yeah. And I immediately, you know, he kind of Trump called him a loser. Oh yeah, what a loser. A guy who puts on <laughs> uniform, Mad Doug Mattis, and devotes his life. 
the guy who's called uh, what was he called the yeah. the monk warrior because he's so thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and wow. anyways, that guy. Wow, I, I, I wish know. he had run for president. He should have done it sooner. But you know, a lot of people are complaining he didn't do this. I don't care. Well, you know, I don't better care. late than never. Most of them. Has, most of them are in the never. He has camp. it baked into him not to say a word as a military person. I have a lot of military relatives. He, have, he did what you suggested. It, he did. He resigned. He, he got out of it. He, ba- he has it baked he in not graceful. to say anything. But boy, was that a corker of an interview! I'll tell you, everybody should go and read that. And, yeah. Uh, he's certainly not a loser. It's in the Atlantic, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all over the place, though. It's it is something else. I'll tell you that. Anyway, we've got a listener mail. A good book, uh, too, by the way. Yes, it is. All sign chaos. Okay. It's a good book. Excellent. Okay, Scott, pivot. Listener question. Okay. Roll tape, Rebecca. You've got mail. Hi, Karen and Scott. My name is Bobby, and I'm from Philadelphia. This week, it was announced Amazon raised ten billion dollars in corporate bonds including a billion dollars in debt at a U.S. record low interest rate of just 0.4%. Is this just a crazy gangster move by Amazon to raise capital at extremely low cost? I don't have a deep background in corporate finance, so can you explain why only very few companies have access to cheap capital like Amazon does? How does this strategy play into their continuing dominance? Thanks. Love the show. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to start with this. Of course, mm-hmm. they get better rates. They're bigger. They, they, you, you always get better rates if you don't need money. Uh, and so uh, this interest rate is is, uh, is amazing. It's an amazing interest rate. And why shouldn't they take free money? Scott, uh, why do you think they're borrowing money? Why not? Like, right? Yeah, so every company- They're going to buy a, something? They they did it last time, then they bought Whole Foods. So what do you think? Well, every company has a cost of capital, and Amazon still needs to fund projects, and they're still at a point, unlike any other company in the world, where they uh, invest more, or they're not cash flow positive sometimes. They could be cash flow positive anytime, but they make these big staggering bets. So even if they don't use the cash, they can use it to buy back stock. But your cost of capital and your CFO's ability to manage your cost of capital- is an incredibly important feature of your business. So in your household, it, the way I would equate it to a household is if you have uh, um, credit card debt at 13% and then you go to your, and then you also have stock holdings and you go to your uh, your, your the, the institution that holds your stocks and says, can I borrow money against my stocks at two or 3%, which at interactive brokers, you can borrow money against your stocks at 2% to lower the cost of capital funding the debt to keep your house going. So this is just nothing but trying to lower the cost of capital. It's a great move. And mm-hmm. interest rates are at historic lows. So the ability to fund projects at a low cost of capital, or even some companies are taking out debt to buy yeah. back to buy back stock if they feel, uh, if they feel really um, confident in their stock. I think that's a bit of a dangerous move because all you're doing is substituting equity. But at this point, issuing equity, they think that's more expensive than issuing debt. I'll yeah. give you an example, and it's not just big companies. When I started L2 and we took venture capital money, there are banks that follow tier one venture capital firms. And if they invest $15 million, the bank shows up and says, we'll give you $5 million of what's called venture debt. Yeah. And the, the attribute of debt is it sits on top of the cap, the cap structure, meaning that if the company goes yeah, over, they're gets, first yeah. in line to get the assets. Yeah, so technically, yeah. it's the most secure thing. Debt is the most secure. It gets a lo- feasibly gets a lower return. But these companies, in this case, I think it was Comerica, came in and said, we'll give you venture debt. And I said, I don't need any more money. And there's something about most of us who are a little bit weary or wary of debt. And debt is a fantastic tool if you get it at a low cost. And they said to me, I said, just for fun, what are the terms? And they said, no covenants, no warrants, and three and a quarter percent five-year term. Oh. And so if you can borrow- Free money. Literally, if you can borrow money 
as an entrepreneur for what was, you know, at the time a great company, but still risky at three and a quarter percent, I said, send it over and I'll sign and fax it back today. Even though I didn't need the money, because I thought having yeah. that cash on the balance sheet, even if I didn't use it, the cost- You had have the ability. You had the ability. Like in that case, in, that, in case Amazon more bought Whole Foods. And also people will will find it a, a good investment too. Um so this is a, a historic, move. and then this goes, this has so many, this has so many opportunities for us and so many dangers. Interest rates are so historically low, but if interest rates spike, the amount of money we have to spend on our interest, which is now greater than the national, what we yeah. spend on national defense, despite record low interest rates at the same time, should municipalities or even the federal government think about taking on uh, borrowing? Yeah. To build infrastructure. Right. Yeah. So debt get is a powerful tool. And I've always had get a natural. Every, get everything. To it. Debt used well is a powerful tool. You're a hundred percent right. And, you know, interestingly, Silicon Valley doesn't like to use it that much. Uh, but, you know, Brian Chesky just did it. A lot of them are doing it now. It's Airbnb you don't, you don't, just, yeah. Airbnb, yeah, Airbnb, just, Airbnb did, um, just did it. It just, a lot of them don't, I think he had tougher terms. It was expensive. It was 900 points yeah. above LIBOR. It's a yeah. great piece of uh, paper for the investors. Yeah, so I think it's really um, it's it's something Silicon Valley doesn't think about a lot, but it certainly is a good idea for companies to to consider. Uh, and I think you'll see a lot more of it, especially right. In any case, we have to take a quick break now, and we'll be back with predictions. We predicted AMC would be in trouble, and it is. We'll be back after this. Okay, Scott, as I said, we predicted AMC would be in trouble. Uh, you, good job. Good job all around. That was a pretty but weak flex. I know. AMC that's will be in trouble. <laughs> I know. That's, it's, like saying, it's like I saying. I think MySpace days are number. I think MySpace's days are number. And not only that, I think, <laughs> I think Kara, I think Ask Jeeves is in real trouble. I think Ask I Jeeves is going away. Didn't you like that butler? He that was, was a cute one metaphor. sexy butler. That was an that was ISD property. Sec- I know. Powered by Google. Let's yeah, have the metaphor of a butler on top of Google. <laughs> I know, but you know, Google was a little little baby then. Let me just tell you, you didn't know it was going to turn Pretty into a giant baby. monster. More like Chucky than a baby. You know what? I told you that story of Larry Page when I'm like, "Do they know what you're doing?" He's like, "No." Like he was always like, he knew what he was doing. Uh, same thing with Yahoo. They, they he's like, "Don't tell them." And you know what I mean? Like it was. Yeah. He's a, he was a he's a very savvy customer. I'll tell you that. Um, He's gone, has disappeared off the face of the earth, by the way. Uh, I don't know what he's up to. He's probably moved to another dimension is my guess. Um, so uh, so what is your prediction, Scott? We need a prediction from you, a, a good prediction. You know, we, we, we've been doing a lot of political stuff. I'd love you to do a business prediction. Oh, well, I have a business prediction. prediction. I have a communications right, okay. prediction. I think the most interesting statement... I think there's been a couple just fantastic, in retrospect, I'm trying to think, what were really the seminal moments or the people who showed tremendous leadership here? And I think Killer Mike's statement um, in Atlanta, talking about his background, uh, uh, his family, has a lot of family in law enforcement. And I Mm -hmm. thought his, I just thought he struck just such a fantastic tone. And I think that statement is going to age really well. The -hmm. other statement that I think is going to age really well, and then I think a lot of, I'll call it young men should take pause and really learn from. I thought one of the more interesting statements of this entire crisis Mm -hmm. was the 21 seconds of silence from Justin Trudeau. Oh, that was fantastic. I thought that was so powerful. And as a young man, and again, and I'm turning this back to myself. Especially with the beard. I recognize that. He's just so fucking dreamy. That guy (laughs) is like, Jesus Christ. Not many people can afford a beard. Yeah, um, go ahead. Anyways, he's got his issues, way, and by the way, he had his issues with black faces, if you recall, and everything else. So, but keep keep going, keep going. Okay. By the way, does Canada likely think it's in an apartment above a meth lab right now? 
Canada think definitely too. thinks I think he kind of said the that. The apartment above the I think he kind of lab. was like, what the fuck like, is okay, going What's going on down there? <laughs> I literally was like, Amanda, pack up your things. We're moving to Vancouver. I, I really But was. there is, I think there's a lesson here. I don't think that was planned. And I think young men need to, need to, to really register the importance of thinking about a question and being silent before you respond. And choosing your words carefully, because I know as a younger man, up until about six months ago, and an older man, I had a position, ahead. and as soon as yeah. someone disagreed or asked me with a question, I thought it was leadership and showed strength and masculinity to immediately respond forcefully and have an answer. And I think there's a real grace and a leadership ability in having mm-hmm. the confidence to to just sit there and think before you speak. Yeah. And I thought that was really, anyways, my. My, we are not doing wins, but I think one of the. You just more, want to talk about dreamy Justin Trudeau, but go ahead. What's wasn't that a gangster move, though? It was. It was. This Prediction, second. please. This we got to get out of here. I have a question. date with Andrew Ross Sorkin, and you're trying to keep me from it. Don't rub that in my face. Don't Speaking rub that in dreamy. my face. By the way, Speaking I am pissed of, off at that Canadian spy, Andrew he's Ross. Not Sorkin. Canadian, and he's, he's not a spy. Definitely a spy. That guy All would right. be the most effective spy in the world because he's so likable. Anyways, I texted him and said, "Call me. I have an idea. I want about. I have not heard from him. I have not heard from him, Andrew." Maybe he gave you the wrong, you know, like how women can give men the wrong self. Oh, I'm used to that. Uh, Trust me, I am used to that. Maybe that's what happened Canadian spies are supposed to call me back. Anyways, anyways, who asked for a prediction? Yes, prediction. Uh, The IPO class of the last half of 2020 in the first quarter of 2021 will be the best performing IPO class of the last decade. You're going to have, we have this anomaly right now in the markets where the markets have totally disconnected from Main Street. And that is the economy has taken a huge hit. You have 40 million unemployed. You're going to have discretionary spending go down once the helicoptering goes uh, goes away. But at the same time, you have a ton of institutional capital because their stocks uh, have not gone down. Even if they're in the NASDAQ, if they have a tech-heavy portfolio, they're actually up for the year. And as a result of the the real economy getting hit hard. There are a lot of companies that were kind of lining up for direct listings or IPOs that aren't going to get out. And the companies that do get out are really yeah. the best of breed disruptors, the the Airbnbs, the lemonades of the world. And I think these guys are going to just go crazy. I so think. Are, that are you investing? Are you going to be? Yeah, I'm actually anything? contemplating, and I want to do a longer show on this. But I'm actually Dude. for the first time in a long time contemplating getting out of big tech, not because they're not great yeah. on a risk-adjusted basis, because but because the numbers have just gotten so big. And I'm thinking about getting into what I'll call, loosely call the disruptor class, and that is the Airbnbs. And the uh, wow. the Airbnbs and the lemonades, because what you're going to see coming out of this recession is a lot of old industries weakened. The insurance industry is going to be weakened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The hotel and hospitality industry is going to be weakened. And here come these fists of stone called Airbnb and lemonade and other disruptors. Um, I think there's an interesting company that I'm contemplating getting involved in called Public, which is sort of the more woke, uh, more kind of interesting Robinhood uh, investing app. Anyways, mm-hmm. I think the IPO class of the next 12 months is going to be the best performing IPO class of the last All right. decade. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think that's a really smart thing. I think you've, you've mentioned it before, but this, it's absolutely true. I do. I think Airbnb is in a much better position than hotels. They're going to go through a rough period. but as And I would recommend the interview I did with Brian Chesky last week. It really is a... It's not about tech. It's not. It's about how to manage your way through a crisis and the insecurity and difficulty of doing so. And I thought he did it with a lot of humility, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. honesty. I thought it was a really interesting thing. But I really, uh, I agree. My with My question is, what interview have you done? Would you recommend we skip? 
Uh, I didn't think my Sam Harris. <laughs> Come on, was that's very, good. You love, no, that's it's true. Good. I didn't. I what thought my Sam Harris. Skip? What should we ignore? <laughs> Sam Harris, the Sam Harris one. I know you're. Oh my! Are you nuts? That hurts. Sam Harris is a gangster. That guy is so no. thoughtful. Just because he has, he doesn't like. Hold hands I with you on the way I to the woke spa. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen, woke man. Don't even start. You started off this thing saying, I just realized that people of color have a problem in this country. But listen, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, I'm flexing. Uh, Anyone on YouTube? Okay. Little gun show no, in town. No, Little gun listen, show. Okay. Listen to me. Okay. I thought Go I ahead. did a bad job. I thought I did a bad job. I think I did a bad job. With Sam Harris? I think I did. I think it could have been a better conversation. I think I should have. Uh, I think he's one of the more interesting thinkers of our age. And I think he's fearless. He's an interesting thinker. uh, Interesting is the only word I would use. But I would would agree. I I think I didn't. I I am blaming myself in that one. I think that almost all of them are pretty good. That's the best interview I've ever done on the Prop G podcast. All right. Okay. There we go. We have a different thing. Or um, best interview is, I've ever had. This is a Brian Chesky one. It's a really good one. I'm I'm interviewing a lot of people in the next month because Rico Decode is coming to an end. Uh, I have some really amazing. What's he people. like? What's Brian Chesky like? I don't really know him. He's lovely. He's lovely. Yeah. I have to say, he's. I wish he was running Facebook. I don't know how else to put it. That I wish he was running Facebook. He's 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 really an interesting. He struggles with things. I know there's all kinds of controversy around, and but he addresses it. He doesn't he doesn't shirk it, and he doesn't do mumbo-jumbo intellectual nonsense that others do. So anyway, they last round private- Talk about learning. There's someone who learns. There's someone who really does try to learn. Last round private valuation was $40 billion, And most recently, well, there's a secondary sale. Oh, no. You can now pick up shares in the secondary market for yes. $19 billion. I think it got yeah, public at 40 to 60 that. and I think it's $100 million whole, in three years. That, he talked about that whole debt thing and what yeah. he had to do. So I would listen to it. It's really interesting. Uh, all right. We got to read. You got to read us out, Scott. That was really great. Uh, don't forget if there's a story in the news that you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernando Finete engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. What a fantastic team we have. What a fantastic team. Thank you. I want to just a quick out. Thank you for saving me from myself often. They're really, they, they take, you know, I think they take both of our voices and give them flight, if you will. So thanks to the team. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Have a great rest of the week. The Canadian spy needs to call me back, Kara. He will not. He I needs will tell to him call him. the dog back. I, I, I don't think he knows who you are. Oh, that hurts. That hurts.